folks. Welcome to the Fallon Forum, broadcasting from Des Moines, Iowa, in the uh, studios of La Reina, 1260 AM and 96.5 FM. Uh, yeah, the uh, state fair is over. We'll talk a little bit about some crazy stuff I saw there in the context of also discussing why you might want to be aware of the roundup in your bowl of lucky charms. Uh, also, um, we'll talk a bit about uh, how Donald Trump's um, appointees to head agencies might actually be doing worse jobs on policy than he's doing. And we'll talk about the uh, Des Moines Register story entitled Climate Change Comes to Iowa, which actually should be probably rewritten, Climate Change Comes to the Des Moines Register. But first, uh, I want to welcome recovering uh, Foxaholic news uh, junkie here, uh, Charles Goldman, to the studio. Um, Charles did what few people are brave enough to do. He limited himself to a strict diet for an entire week of nothing but Fox News. Um, so we, we've had him in, a, in an isolation chamber to try to <laughs> try to bring him back a little bit of CNN at a time, you know, a little bit of a, a little bit of a ABC News, and gradually he seems to be coming out of this Fox-induced news shelf. Uh, Charles, how are you? Great. <laughs> You're just saying that, aren't well, you? Well, actually. Um, <laughs> It's interesting because I kind of bookended my week by watching Fox, you know, full time, right. um, both for news and also for their um, various, uh, you know, uh, celebrity shows. Um, and at the same time, I've been rewatching uh, Ken Burns and Lynn Novick's uh, Vietnam uh, on, on documentary, the oh. one that was on PBS. Okay, well, okay so so you ch- kind of cheated on your diet. Well, I cheated, no, but <laughs> but Vietnam is old news, and and the the reason I bring that up is, in fact, watching Fox News in many ways is like watching TV in the 1960s during the Vietnam War, and much of what goes on on Fox News is no different than the Love It or Leave It anthem of those who supported the war during the 1960s and early 1970s, which is that if you are against America, well, actually, if you are against this president, you are equivalent to hating America. Right. Um, but, and, th- but it's worse now than it ever was back in the Vietnam era, I believe. Well, uh, ironically, in the Vietnam era, the truth was on TV. There wasn't right. any fake news to be had because the journalists were embedded with the units, they went out into the field with the units, and every night you'd sit down to dinner and you could see right. what was going on in Vietnam. And of course, the you know the ultimate thing that changed the American opinion toward Vietnam was the My Lai massacre. Right, which and, really, and, and, and the pro-war factions tried to uh, tried to mitigate that um, that PR damage by well, one the one one pointed example was the movie uh, Patton. Which, uh, I, which I went to see with my dad at age 12. It was kind of considered a rite of passage. My, right. Because my dad was thinking, you know, the this good war. That's the good war. And because yeah, the good there's war a lot of vicarious patriotism, and Fox is also big on vicarious patriotism. You know, because part of their – and they harp constantly on the issue of the players who take a knee during the national right, anthem right. at the football stadium. Yeah. I mean, most of the people in the stands are engaging in faux patriotism also because we've now equated football to the militarism of this country. Right. Right. Um, no, I, mean, I, I think that for people who are involved in politics on the other side, you need to watch Fox News because you, you have to see what you know, non-progressives are being told. So, you also need to see how foolish progressives look at some of the issues. So, so how many hours yeah. of Fox News did you actually watch? Uh, probably about three hours a night, and then I uh, watched Fox and Friends in the morning, and then I kept it on for my news. <laughs> wait, wait, three hours day. every night for a week? 
Right. And Plus then, Fox and Friends Fox in the friends. Morning. I didn't, I, for that, whatever reason, like another hour? I didn't have time to watch the five. Is that like another hour? That was, a, yeah, that's another hour or so in the morning. And then, you know, in, in, if I was home, I'd turn on the news. The news is so not. So like 30, uh, hour, 30 or more hours in one week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So did you, did you, uh, did you gain a lot of weight? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I absolutely think that it is a very thoughtful and well-planned presentation for what they want to achieve. Fox News. Absolutely. I mean, um, it's a constant stream of hammering on the Republican talking points. Uh, The news is not too bad, but even there they use the opportunity to talk about how this president is for the people, for the military, pro-law enforcement, um, the economy is great, the economy is great, the economy is great. Um, they, they, they keep coming back to that one. Right, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, they are doing the campaigning right. for the president and for the Republicans. Um, but the news is, for the most part, I would say, more neutral. Now, what they do tend to do is they do tend to to want to make you more afraid. So there's a right. lot of – there's a, and, and they tend to link it to their real big issue, right. which is immigration. And who, so who do they make us afraid – who do they want to make us afraid of? Uh, immigrants, immigrants, obviously. Immigrants because of MS-13, the only gang that exists in the United States, of course, is MS-13. <laughs> right. Um, we never heard of the any, – yeah, any An example right. would be the, the, the compound in New Mexico, you know, where they found these kids. Right. And um, they presented that as that they were planning an armed attack as jihadis. Now the only problem is if you actually look at what came out is that one of the the three one of the three year olds died mm-hmm. and they thought that that three year old was in fact the next the second coming of the Messiah that he was Jesus Christ and so it isn't entirely clear we've had a lot of second comings right yeah, yeah. Here, uh, well it wasn't here. entirely clear from the other news sources that I read regarding the compound whether they were looking at a Islamic jihad or a Christian jihad <laughs> and you know so. Uh, I, I think it was a little premature, but the reason, of course, that Fox News sees it as a Islamic jihad is because of their their being Africans, uh, I think right. Somalis. But essentially, it was it was a racial thing, sure. and they they, yeah. they do tend to link the things they link immigrants to are uh, crime. So they love reporting those things, in spite of as we know the fact that as a group, immigrants, whether here legally or illegally, actually are engaged in less violent crime. Mm. Than sure, natives, yeah. uh, you know, and then uh, the other thing is uh, that they're they're taking uh, money from the government, and as Tucker Carlson said, who's the most hateful of all of them. I mean, Hannity is 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 a tool, but you know, uh, Tucker Carlson is <laughs> right, is right. hateful. So so about Hannity, I've, uh, to to me the um, the, the most uh, uh, distorted form of media out there is radio. Yeah, uh, and and so and I, I know Fox News. This is you, you were mostly watching TV, but there's that link that Fox News has to that's correct. TV and, and that they, has they're radio. even more. And Hannity is that news. strong. Hannity is right. that connection on the radio. Yeah, I mean Hannity is somebody who in the old days would have had a TV show on a UHF station, um, you know, at three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and, and so is Rush, you know, and and so some of the people on the left. You know, um, but more on the right. And but this is what we've come to, which is this screeching. But on the other hand, I think, you know, what what progressives need to understand is that a lot of what's portrayed on Fox does make them look foolish. For instance, they went out to the net roots. Uh, Tucker Carlson sent a crew out to net roots, which was, you know, the big meeting of kind of the real leftist aspects of the Democratic Party. Now, first of all, 
they kept showing this video, and it looked like there was nobody there. So I wasn't really clear on how pervasive this was supposed to be. Yeah. But, you know, they showed people saying things that are just really not that helpful. Okay, so they interviewed somebody from California who's in the state senate who's talking about we need to discuss the issue of having toilet paper, of having tampons in male bathrooms because of LGBTQ issues. And I'm thinking, no, we don't. I'm sorry. That is not a big enough issue. If you're somebody who wants to use the male bathroom, I'm fine with that if you see yourself as phenotypically female. But bring your own tampons in, okay? I mean, these are the kinds of issues that make progressives look like fools. You know, where they have Cuomo talking about how America was never great. You know, that just doesn't help. Right, right, yeah. And, and then, of course, they love Antifa. Yeah. And Antifa is no different than the Weathermen were in the 60s. Sure. And, in fact, the, it was interesting in, in, in the Burns and Novick documentary to talk to other activists. The, move, you know, the, the, the protests that really highlighted the opposition of the American population to the war wasn't days of rage in Chicago with, with the Weathermen. Right. It was millions of people doing the moratorium day. Right, right. And yep, yep. And we we forget that because those uh, those high profile, very visible, very you know dramatic uh, statements, um, they they catch the the attention of the press, but they also repel a lot of people that we need to uh, right. Violence to, to is not going to affect change. Violence is not going to affect change in this country. Yeah. And you know, I'm not good. So, yeah, that. Well, one last question before we take a break here. So, um, again, millions of people watch Fox News every day. Yes. And it influences them greatly. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you see, do, we, do you believe that it had any impact on your worldview at all? Um, well, it impacted... Oh, uncomfortable pause. Well, it, it impacted <laughs> my worldview in the sense of, I, yeah, I see where we're pushing people in a way that is not useful. I mean, once again, for instance, we have uh, queer people who are getting married wanting a cake from the same guy who just they did the Supreme Court case with. Leave this guy alone. Yeah. It's a setup, and yeah. you look like fools for doing it. Yeah. You know, and that's what we do. And 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 we are being portrayed. If you're against, if you're with the resistance, you hate this country. That's what they're hearing. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, when we come back from a break, folks, uh, we'll take your phone calls at 515-528-8122. That's 528-8122. So the Facebook live stream will stop momentarily, but you can continue... <coughs> So tune into the show on the Fallon Forum website or on 1260 AM, 96.5 FM in the Des Moines Metro. Back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. Gateway Market and Cafe is your locally owned source for specialty groceries. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, specialty cheeses, and hand-selected wines and craft beer. Visit the Lively Cafe for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Gateway Market is centrally located on the corner of Martin Luther King Jr. Parkway and Woodland Avenue. Stop by or visit www.gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market. Good food, great community. Times are tough, and most people are just trying to make their cars last a little bit longer. That's why you should know about Sargent's Garage in Des Moines. You can trust Sargent's to make the right diagnosis and give you a fair price. Whether it's a routine oil change or a major repair, Sargent's always does outstanding work. So don't give up on that old car just yet. Call Sargent's Garage at 246-8149. That's 246-8149. 
Community CPA and Associates, with locations in Des Moines and Coralville, is the perfect place to go for all of your tax and accounting needs. Community CPA offers a wide array of services, from tax planning to business IT solutions. Call Community CPA today at 515-288-3188 or visit www.communitycpa.com for more information. Hi folks, it's Ed Fallon reminding you that you can eat Iowa-grown food all winter long at Hawk Restaurant in Des Moines East Village. Over 90% of the food served at Hawk comes from Iowa farms and their dishes are amazing. I once brought a guy there from New York and he was blown away by the experience. He said it was like any fine dining you'd enjoy in Greenwich Village, but at one-fourth the price. So don't go all the way to, to New York City when you can enjoy gourmet dining prepared with Iowa-grown food at Hawk Restaurant in Des Moines East Village. Ritual Cafe is located at 13th and Locust in beautiful downtown Des Moines. It's a great place for coffee, tea, smoothies, and a full vegetarian menu. Ritual Cafe also features music on the weekends. For more information, call Ritual Cafe at 515-288-4872. That's 515-288-4872. When it's time to entertain, think of Gateway Market to handle all the details. Gateway offers a wide variety of stress-free options like our cut-to-order cheese and charcuterie and delicious olive bar and a wide variety of chef-prepared dips and spreads. Or let our catering team take care of the entire event, right down to the wine and beer pairings. Our expert floral designers can even customize perfect centerpieces. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more information. Gateway Market. Good food, great entertaining. Welcome back to the uh, Fallon Forum. That's uh, Brother Trucker leading us back to our conversation here uh, with uh, Charles Goldman and uh, David Houston joining us as well in the studio. David is with a, a fantastic uh, initiative called Homes for My Peeps. And a lot of what has to do with uh, the homes that David works on is uh, how the landscape is uh, friendly to the, uh, the food needs of the family living in that home as well. Um, I'm sure, David, uh, you, you're working on something called the Climate Summit, and I'm sure you were as happy as I was to see a big story in the Des Moines Register. I, I'm assuming you maybe even look at the Des Moines Register. Maybe not. I but uh, but uh, it's, it's one of my bad habits, so I, I wouldn't hold it against <coughs> you if you didn't. But uh, <laughs> uh, the, um, the Register uh, had a big story, four-page spread called Climate Change Comes to Iowa. And I will say the editorial board of the Des Moines Register has done a pretty good job at talking about climate over the years. But it's almost been exclusively missing from the news section. So I was excited to see this story, but I did feel like I'd, I wanted to change the title to, instead of Climate Change Comes to Iowa, to Climate Change Comes to the Des Moines Register. But um, they point out all the things that are likely or that are already happening, uh, huge rainfalls and whatnot. And um, impacts on our crops, uh, pollination, things like that. 
And uh, I, I'm, to me, it's very encouraging that you and others are already doing a lot of work that is you know, trying to get us prepared for the inevitable impacts that climate change is having. And my impression is that this summit coming up is what that's all about. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I, I'm more concerned, like myself personally, on um, the, the inner cities, how uh, low-income uh, individuals are affected by climate change and how little that, uh, that they actually even know. So it's good uh, this article, like as you say, is, is <laughs> coming to the register. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's been around for some, some time here. So, so maybe folks know little because they've been watching too much Fox News? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I don't know 100%. Charles, did you see a lot of Fox News coverage of climate change when you were on your uh No, they, your, they did your, not. They did not binge? talk at all really about climate change. Not even from a negative point of view? Um, other than it, it's part of their litany of things – that um, you know, there are many of the people they bring on, and and they do spend a lot of time trying to bring on uh, people who are African American and also um, LGBTQ yeah. uh, to show that there is support for their policies on that side of things. Yeah. And they keep going on and on about how poll the poll numbers for Trump among African Americans is now thirty percent approval. On I'm not sure which poll that was, <laughs> but um, nevertheless. Um, no. Uh, when they refer to it, it's uh, people who are talking about climate change are climate alarmists. Um, right. That's us. That's pretty much their view. Yeah. So, um, you know, what, what, what do we need to do, David, to uh, get, you know, the folks that you work with to understand just how important climate change is to their lives, to our lives, you know, generally speaking? Uh, support local organizations that do uh, uh, have an accurate knowledge of of this issue um uh, yeah just uh support us locally you could uh visit our website go to our facebook page and continue listening to this radio station all right folks uh, let's go to our phone lines again 515-528-8122 if you'd like to join the conversation it's 528-8122 we have kathy online one hello kathy welcome to the fallon forum hi how are you guys good good Good. Um, pardon I was going to ask, how are you doing? <laughs> great, great. Well, I, I, I'm a little uh, befuddled, though, because you, uh, you're talking about climate change, and there was a letter to the editor in this morning's Des Moines Register that, that had my, my brain just turned all inside out because I was trying to even understand the line of thought. And so I was curious um, what, what, if you saw that letter, it, it started out talking about leftists are, you know, maybe causing climate change and then ended up by saying that we should pray to make it better or something like that. And I I just wonder, I think back to my high school experience where critical thinking and logical thought was really a big deal. And, you know, we we had such great lessons in that and and had to cite reliable sources every time we we wrote a paper, so I just wonder if, if you've noticed that maybe we're moving away from that in our education system, and that's why people are, are so bewildered by the whole thing. Well, I, I think specifically the issue with the California fires, um, and, and this is both by you know having watched Fox and also reading uh, over the last couple of weeks and having lived there for 10 years, is that the, the new line is that they mismanaged the forests they should right. have let the um, paper companies and logging companies go in and thin out these forests, and then there would have been less fuel for these 
fires. And, and, well, you and, know, and I have this letter to the ah. editor in front of me, and it's exactly what it's doing, Charles. Right. It's, it's, it's almost like if, if, those, if those were – and I'm going to take your word for it, having, again, been glued to the uh, TV and watching Fox News for a week. I'm going to take your word for it. That's their talking well, point. Well, there, there, there is an element of truth to, to that fact. Um, but what made these fires so catastrophic, in addition to the, the preponderance of fuel for the fires – was the nine out of the last ten years of drought that have dried out the forests to the point that they're right. just tinderboxes. Right. Um, so, um, and and part of the proliferation in these forests is climate change driven because yeah. of higher CO2 levels uh, in the air, which do cause proliferation in the trees. I think, it's, I think it's fascinating that they always try to spin it back to uh, something that, you know, that, that, Thinking people are doing wrong, that gets in the way of it cor- gets in the way of commercial largesse, which is just, exactly. Yeah. And, and and speaking of corporate largesse, you need to understand that the roads that are cut into these forests at great expense are paid for by the American taxpayer. Yeah. So the logging companies are being subsidized by you and other American taxpayers by cutting the roads that allow their right. equipment to get in there. That's the only reason I'm so excited to see uh, things like what David is doing. I mean, this is a very a grassroots, bottom-up strategy to try to, um, you know, try to bring uh, more sustainable development to uh, constituency groups that are often neglected. Well, I, well, yeah, so, yeah I, uh, I appreciate that, Ed. So there's a there's a lot of things that we are are doing as um, in terms of composting, soil restoration, and then. Uh, uh, like bringing awareness to healthy eating with that uh, aid of composting because we we know that um, uh, local residents uh, do eat food-like products rather than actual food. And that contribution to those food-like products are uh, uh, contributing to uh, this this issue in terms of... uh, uh, you're, you you may have these in your in your um, in your fri- uh, in your refrigerator or even your your cabinets in, in like craft products um, uh, stovetop products. There's there's a bunch of I don't know exactly these products, but you, I'm, I'm sure they uh, they're in in your homes if you do eat these food like products. So um, yeah, uh, well, and, and you know I, I think there's a there there are. There are businesses, corporations that understand that we've got a problem, understand the importance of healthy food, understand the importance of addressing climate change and taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming that they may be willing to partner with you on this summit that's coming up later this year. Uh, absolutely. Um, we're looking for, uh, to have a, a, a lot of local um, individuals and constituents as well to uh, come support this effort because it is affecting us uh, uh, all over. Um, this is this is a global initiative. It's a local uh, effort and initiative as well uh, that is greatly needs to be supported. Yeah. So where where do people go to find out more about it? Uh, so they can go to uh, our again our website www.homesformypeeps.org. Homes for the uh, number four. The Homes number four. For yep. My peeps. P e e p s. Yep. Dot okay. org. Yeah. Or our Facebook page. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, let's let's keep in touch about that. And in the meantime, uh, you know, it wouldn't be bad to respond to some of the. I, I you know, I, I'd love to. <laughs> I, I'm I'm 
I'm toying with an op-ed responding to the Des Moines Register's climate change piece, again, which was very good because it got into the weeds. It got into things that I assume you'll probably talk about at your summit, about mm-hmm. the fact that our storm sewer systems are no longer capable of handling 10-inch rainfalls. Absolutely. And when, and when you can't handle that, then you are, are suddenly pushing that stuff into people's basements or into the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we were, at, we were at, a, at a street party two or three days after the torrential rain hit the Forest Hill neighborhood hmm. and we're talking to people who had been in their cars and suddenly they realized their cars were floating and when they got out of the car they were in probably eight feet of water we had only we had one death in Des Moines during that torrential downpour and I'm surprised it wasn't more hmm. so I think I think people are waking up to the fact that yeah we've got some new stuff to deal with and we need to we need to be serious well, about but, it but the problem is that uh, the, the choices about climate change are seen as binary uh, and so the choice that people feel they're being presented with is to do something which is going to alter their profligate lifestyle mm-hmm. um, versus thinking, well, technology, will will technology our way out of this? And I, I think that um, at the moment, those who believe that technology will somehow solve the problem, either by finding a way to cool the right. oceans or by putting enough uh, sun-blocking uh, chemicals into our atmosphere, so it looks like uh, Blade Runner. Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, that's we, exciting. We, we all can do our, our part locally. Um, one of the things that our, uh, we offer is a do-it-yourself workshop. Uh, well, various do-it-yourself workshops. And one of those workshops is uh, how to make your own rain barrel uh, to divert a lot of that that water from going into the storm sewer system. Uh, also, mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, rain um, rainwater uh, gardening. Uh, we have these uh, uh, garden systems where we've taken uh, rain gutters and we used uh, buckets to uh, also do the same thing in yeah. terms of diverting. Uh, a lot of those little things are very important, yeah, David. I'm glad yeah, you're absolutely. I'm glad you're leading the charge on that locally, folks. We have been talking here with uh, David Houston, Homes for My Peeps, about the uh, climate summit coming up in uh, Des Moines later this year. Uh, thanks to uh, Kathy for calling in, folks. If you'd like to join the conversation here, you're welcome to do that. Five one five five two eight eighty one. 22-528-8122. We'll take a short break to hear some uh, commercials from Lorena, the uh, studio that provides the uh, space here for us to do this program. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a uh, different angle on climate change because Trump's uh, some of Trump's heads of agencies are doing a lot more damage than even Trump himself. We'll be back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. That's uh, Brother Trucker, and we're back to our conversation here on the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon with you, Charles Goldman in the studio as well, uh, detoxifying from his uh, week-long stint with uh, a diet strictly of Fox News. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, um, you know, we uh, people are so focused on Donald Trump, and, and you know, understandably, he's the president, he's off the, off the charts, off the wall sometimes, and... Uh, uh, and, and meanwhile, there's lots of stuff going on behind the scenes, or maybe not entirely behind the scenes, but that's not getting the kind of press coverage that the Trump tweet gets. But that really, in terms of policy, is out-trumping Trump in terms of how far it's going in directions that most Americans wouldn't support. And certainly we're seeing that with the EPA. Uh, we're seeing it on a number of levels. And Charles, again, fresh off of Fox News, you probably have a perspective on this uh, as well. Yeah, I mean... I think the EPA is, is the prime example of the damage that this administration is going to do to this country. Um, 
and the degree, the degree to which everything is about corporate interests. Now, we understand that the president has a fixation on the coal industry. Um, yeah, why is he so interested I, you in know, coal? Well, I have no idea. I mean, uh, part of it is, and of course, when they announce this change to the regulations I'll talk about in a minute, where is he going to announce it? He's going to announce it in West Virginia. Now, a couple things about West Virginia coal. Right. Uh, first of all, West Virginia coal. And you used to live there. I used to live there. I lived yeah. there for eight years. Uh, West Virginia coal is primarily used for metallurgical purposes. It's a type of coal which is needed for smelting. It is not used primarily for um, so generating and, energy, and just describe, generating electricity. Just, just describe, describe that a little bit further for people. Well, when you smelt metals, you need to heat them up to melt them. And the certain types of coal are particularly useful because, for that. Because they, they, they burn hotter. They burn hotter. Yeah. That's correct. Most of the coal that's used for power generation is used uh, is is gotten in the um, Dakotas and areas okay. like that, and then railroaded out to the other area, the areas where coal is still used. Um, now, it is true that West Virginia is a state where there's a lot of uh, electricity generation by coal from American electrical power, as is the South with Southern Company. So, um, you know, basically, we all know that um, the EPA now is run by people who worked for the industries that they're supposed to be regulating. In fact, the air pollution guru for the Trump administration is a guy by the name of William Wareham, and William Wareham is an attorney whose career has mostly been representing oil, gas, coal uh, interests, the Koch brothers, against the EPA, uh, sort of similar to Scott Pruitt. So what's happening now is that um, they're going to roll out on Tuesday uh, some new regulations regarding the coal-burning power plants. And what they're trying to do is pick a winner here, the coal and the coal <laughs> plants that need to be shut down right. because they're not economically feasible anymore because they're so dirty, um, to allow the states to make their own regulations as to how they're going to curb carbon dioxide emissions from their remaining coal plants and um, they can decide to not do anything. Okay. So, you know, because the, the clean power plan that Obama put forward was a federal federalization of uh, carbon pollution restriction from power plants. And remember, power plants uh, constitute about 30% of uh, greenhouse gas emissions from this in this country. Right. Um, so uh, they are going to uh, basically allow the states to decide whether they're even going to regulate carbon dioxide. And right, right, because what happens in one state stays in that state. Uh, correct. You know, air does not blow from one state to another. Water does not flow from one state to another. Yeah, it, well, exactly. It's what, just what's same, the logic the, there? There isn't any logic. This is, this is simply about something that he said on the – the president said on the campaign trail. I don't know why he doesn't understand that the number of people employed by coal uh, extraction is probably less than the number of people who still work for Sears that's being closed up. <laughs> No, I mean, really, there's, there's not that many people working coal yeah. in this country anymore because it's not economically feasible. Now, the other thing you need to understand about coal, it's not just about what it puts up in the air. It's also about what do you do with the ash, the ash yeah. and, after... And, and the impact on mountaintops and... Well, and particularly, yeah, I mean... Forests. Exactly. As, as I've told you before, in West Virginia, they won't move a pebble when they put a road down to, to grade it, but they'll blow the top off a mountain to get coal. And... You know, then they put the detritus from the mining into the valleys, which pollute the water of the very people who are there to mine the coal. That's what the ash. Right. Yeah. Well, no, the ash is a bigger problem because the ash is okay. collected yeah. in slurry ponds. And then, of course, 
especially with these monumental rains we're seeing all over the country, the slurry pond breaches and pollutes the rivers and the drinking water yeah. for people, yeah. you know, like in North Carolina. The other thing about coal ash is it's radioactive. In is fact, it really? in fact, you are exposed to more radiation living near a coal ash slurry than you would be living next to a nuclear power plant. So this is what's going on. This is just typical of the policies that go on. And in plain view, they're not so, hiding it. So, so I mean, I mean uh, there must be still enough jobs in coal in Pennsylvania, in West Virginia, in those areas that, that, that it's still a politically you know, a favorable issue to yeah. Trump and to others who want to see these kinds of um, policy changes. Right. But, it's, but it, it, once again, we, you, you are socializing the cost of coal extraction, which should be added on to the cost of coal. Well, we, we do that with so many different, exactly. uh, different industries. Exactly. Sure. Because the cost we're doing, of cleaning up with, after these companies yeah. isn't borne by these companies. We, we do it's with borne Hawk by and, the taxpayers. We do it with Hawk and Feynman's in Iowa. Right. Uh, and, and some of the cost is being borne by folks who live along the Gulf Coast. Some of it's being borne by the future. A lot of it's being borne by the small communities. And, and, and uh, actually, in terms of the, uh, the property tax break that we give to confinement operations for their manure lagoons, that cost is being borne by the rest of the taxpayers in those counties. So, you know, there's also the socializing of the cost going on. Right. But, and, and, but everybody hides behind that this is free market capitalism. Yeah. It's not. It's crony capitalism. So what else do you see in terms of uh, agency heads, uh, Trump's appointees? What are, what are they doing elsewhere that's, that's uh, rolling back some of the you know, policies that most Americans would support? Um, if, if we weren't so focused on his tweets. Well, that's right. I mean, it, it, you're seeing the same thing with the uh, freezing of the auto standards, the, the you know, fuel economy standards. Fuel economy standards, right. Um, you're seeing uh, the same thing with the borders of the USA see, yeah, wait, wait, They're not freezing the standards. They're rolling them back, correct? Well, no, they're going to freeze them at the 2020 level. Okay, because they were supposed to go up to 35 by... 2025, maybe? I, I believe that's correct. Actually, it actually was supposed to be over 50 at some point in the near future, but right. not by 2020. Right. Um, you know, and, and that was a butte because they claimed that they were actually – the reason they did that was that if you make fuel economy standards higher, people <clears> with small cars will drive more, and therefore they might be more likely to be killed in an accident. So that right. actually they were trying to help people by making the fuel economy standards level off in the 30s. Uh, I mean, that was a great <laughs> argument. Um, and prominently and featured other, on Fox I News, mean, I imagine. Right. The other thing you need to look at is this, this is a very – this is an administration which wants a robust military um, and – they, as Fox News, you know, well, they, goes they, over and over, it's peace through strength. They want a more robust military than the Pentagon wants by a long shot. Well, but that's that's not unusual to the Trump administration. Um, we, I think people need to understand that the Pentagon weapons acquisition is a works program. Right. It's not necessarily like delivering the best weapons. Sure, that's why we have... I mean, the F-35 is a perfect example. That's of that. why we have congressmen in, in Iowa like David Lobsack who, you know... Uh, used to be a peace activist and now supports uh, military spending because it'll help the Rock Island Arsenal or the uh, the uh, the um, drone centered uh, drone the drone center uh, 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 at the um, in, in Des Moines at the, what's it called uh, I'm blanking now oh at the airport yeah yeah yeah, at yeah. The airport. well there's another name but yeah at the airport yeah right. so you know you have Congress people who support those things just because they mean a few jobs in their district right but the problem is that defense spending is generally not an economic multiplier. An economic multiplier right. is paying people 
to work in hospitals. Yeah. It's paying people to do renewables. It's yeah. paying people to go insulate houses and saving energy. W- once you have a military project and it's done yeah. and the plane crashes, that's it. Yeah. You know? Um, so it, it, we're, we're stuck in the same cycle that we were stuck in 50 or 60 years ago, which is we can't seem to come up with a way to create an economy that has different priorities. So we go back to the same old things, extraction, military spending. So summer summer of 68, 50 years ago, mm-hmm. are, you, are, you, are you drawing parallels to 2018 and 1968? Um, well, interestingly, I would argue that 1968 was a much more dangerous time to live in the United States, truly dangerous, not faux dangerous, not faux American carnage. Um, Cities were in flames. The wars were going on. Civil rights movement was, you know, reaching its apex. Prominent assassinations happening. Exactly. Right. Um, I, I would say we are we are going backwards to the same old ways of spending and the same old sort of a con, uh, you know corporations as the way to the future. And it doesn't make any sense, you know. It, it baffles me that if you had the power of the presidency, that you wouldn't want to use that power to look ahead. And look ahead beyond the next election. Look ahead 20, 30 years down the road and say, okay, maybe this is going to cost me some support now. But we need to move to a different economy. And we need to stop with stupidity like building the same nuclear reactors we built in the 50s and 60s and build reactors that actually are safe yeah. To use to produce electricity. Well, that's that's unfortunately called leadership. Right. <laughs> well, right. And selflessness. Yeah. Hey, I want to take a second here to uh, thank uh, some of our other uh, local business supporters. Thanks to uh, Story County Veterinary Clinic, operated by Dr. Kim Holding. Uh, Dr. Holding has practiced veterinary, veterinary medicine in central Iowa for over 30 years. Learn more on the clinic's Facebook page. That's uh, Story County Veterinary Clinic. Uh, thanks also to Catering by Sid. Owner Sid Cohn uses fresh and local ingredients, um, and all of her catering arrangements are custom-made. More information at cateringbysid.com. That's cateringbycyd.com. And finally, uh, thanks to uh, Bold Iowa, a statewide organization working to build urban-rural coalitions to address climate change and related issues. Visit boldiowa.com. Okay, folks, uh, we're going to take a short break here and uh, come back. Uh, uh, yeah, actually, we're going to skip that break and just keep going here. We've got a lot to talk about, and um, we've got Charles Goldman in the studio, and I want to keep him away from his TV as long as possible so he doesn't <laughs> fall back into uh, Oh, I'm, I'm this, recording uh, it now. I, I, <laughs> you're you're, you're, you're I'm recording Laura Ingram now. <laughs> All right, so uh, oh, you do eat Lucky Charms, Charles? No, I actually no? don't. Uh, how about uh, Cheerios? Cheerios, yes. Really? Do Sometimes. You, do you realize well, that you're I really, have a three-year-old kid, so okay. Okay. Eat Cheerios. So, so you're, you're feeding your three-year-old kid Roundup. You realize that? Well, <laughs> I guess. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, uh, the, um, the uh, pre, uh, pre-packaged cereal industry took a big hit this past week uh, with the revelation that weed killers <clears throat> have been found in some cereals. Um, and uh, Lucky Charms being the uh, poster child of that. But... Um, 
This is pretty major stuff. Well, I, I mean, Glass. I, I really do wonder though whether you're going to die first from the weed killer or what else is in Lucky Charms, like particularly the 30 grams of sugar that's in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, none of it's good. Right. We 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 understand that, and in, in fact, the EPA was told that they need to move ahead with the banning of of this weed killer. Right. Yeah. We'll have to see what happens with that. And how, I mean, with the EPA under the control of Donald Trump, how likely is that? Well, but they were told by a court they need to do this, and that their their conclusion went against their own scientists that this was of the safety of this product. You know, and, and again, it comes down to the issue of the reason we use weed killer, the reason we use other you know chemicals to grow food is to increase yield, and we increase yield to a, co- a country. That's overweight and has people dying of complications of being overweight. Yeah, and we subsidize food choices that are bad. Of course. Because there are very powerful interest groups that that have learned that if you add sugar or fat or salt to a food product, you know, I I, I guess I believe that's what David called it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then it's um, it's, it's going to appeal to the human physiology um, that in a more primitive situation wouldn't cause the kind of horrible side effects that we see nowadays but yeah well but the answer to that is that we live in a free market system and we live in a free country people can do what they want yeah and they can but, but we live in a mar- we live in a country where where certain food choices are subsidized and socialized that's correct yeah well so, we, we subsidize soy wheat and corn well here's here's another one at the uh did you make it to the state fair yes okay so did you get to the uh the um, agriculture learning center the bill nab agriculture learning center no, has, we, we just went with, with, with okay, they had well, the animals, which is not necessarily any better. But yeah, that, well, that's little, another problem. But, but there's, another, there's, there's another bunch of animals at this building. <laughs> oh, there's is there really? Cute little pigs and, and some baby calves that have just been born, some chickens. Okay. And um, a, um, a, a, a um, tremendous uh, do- indoctrination going on. They have, they have signs for, um, for uh, conventional housing of chickens, mm-hmm. they're, they're mostly focusing on egg production right. and boasting that Iowa is the largest egg-producing state in the nation. They fail mm-hmm. to mention that two of the biggest producers in Iowa, the Deco- A.J. DeCoster and his son Peter, um, barely escaped doing significant jail time because they knew they were poisoning Americans with salmonella. Right. So they have these three different placards. One is conventional housing for birds, for, for mm-hmm. layers. The other is cage-free. Right. And the third is free-range. And um, it is incredible to me. I, I could not believe what I was reading. Um, when they, they, they talk about free-range food safety, um, no. Food safety, uh, a, the hens may lay eggs on the ground. Uh, increased likelihood of contact with manure. Uh, egg collection can be labor-intensive. I mean, the whole thing is a slam on backyard chicken people, mm-hmm. um, small producers, uh, organic producers. Uh, it is, um, it's an indication to me that the big industry is concerned that, uh, that we've, we're actually making a dent in their profits, and we've certainly made a dent in their image. So instead of you know, uh, you know, fessing up to the fact that they're the ones with the health risks, they're right. the ones with the salmonella problem, you know, they're trying to put it on the folks who are doing it right. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, it just and I, I expect we're going to see Lucky Charms and the little leprechaun dude push back against the bad press they've gotten from Roundup and Weed Killer being discovered in their products. But, um, you know, when they push back, it means something right is happening. But my problem is, here's the Iowa State Fair. 
this should not be a forum for a very biased and indefensible line of propaganda, and yet they get away with this. And where's the counter-argument? I don't know. I guess when you're serving 82 foods on a stick, and most of them are really, really bad for you, you should expect the agricultural dialogue coming out of there to also be something that's bad for you. Well, yeah, I mean, it, 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 these exhibits are subsidized by large companies. I mean, we went into something for the kids. Yeah. You know, the Cargill was subsidized. Oh, yeah? Which, and, what was that? Uh, right near the entrance, the um, western entrance, the eastern entrance, rather, just as soon as you came in, they had, like, this setup where you could walk through and, you know, check. And they did the same thing in this thing about how right. how much the people who raise pigs care for the pigs and, and that, you know, the chickens are well cared for. And it was very clever. I mean, it, you know... Um, you know, in general, I think Americans feel much more comfortable when they see their food packaged and they don't have to think much about how it got there. Um, and, and again, the costs are hidden. So, you know, every once in a while, you know, you'll have these enteropathic E. coli outbreaks. And in some situations, they go right back to the cow, you know, to, to, be, to be, you know, the beef cows. And the biggest problem there is when you when you put these cows in their last two weeks of life into confinements to fatten them up before they're slaughtered, that's where they're exposed and, and ingest these E. coli. So manure on the ground on a farm right. in the free range, right. it carries generally community-acquired organisms. You put them in a the confinement, and right. now you've created and are passing antibiotic-resistant organisms. Right, can, right passed on to humans and sometimes kill humans directly or indirectly by making antibiotics we use ineffective. So these are the things, it's, it's, you know, it's the third step down that's where, where the danger comes in. But it also goes back to this whole issue, which uh, is you can, you can use organic methods and get enough yield right. to feed Americans. You can't feed Americans 10,000 calories a day if that's what they're going to do. <laughs> well, yeah, 10,000 well, yeah. calories a day. Well, folks, if you'd like to join this conversation, we can probably have time for one more caller at 515-528-8122. That's 528-8122. Yeah, who needs 10,000 calories? Well, you know what? I think I did for a little while. Well, when you were walking. When I was walking across right. the country. But most people aren't walking. <laughs> well, even then, I probably didn't need 10,000. But... Uh, yeah, and, I, and again, you're a doctor, but are people are there people actually consuming ten thousand calories? They would have to be to maintain some of the weights that, that we you're see. seeing, right? Wow. You know, wow. and, and we know. And here again, the subsidies allow McDonald's to offer food for a dollar. Right. Yeah. yeah they they could not do that but if they weren't getting don't public allow subsidies. You to go to Whole Foods and buy organic fruit and vegetables right. because they're too expensive. Right. And and to some degree, once again, that is seen as the coastal elites placing expectations on everybody else. Um, what that we should be able to buy? That everybody should be able to afford those good foods? Well, we're yeah, telling and, people and, what and, to and, do. And, we're, we're we're scolding. Well, they, but they but they will they will. Here here's where my libertarian friends should should kick in because right now again we have this food subsidy system that makes it difficult, if not impossible, for some people to choose the right thing. That's correct. And, and then you've got advertising of these products that you can write off on your taxes. And, you know, those advertisements are compelling. I mean, 
Charles, I suspect you came precariously close to becoming totally duped by Fox News. Well, maybe not, but uh, <laughs> but when you when you see when, when you see an ad or an impression or a story over and over again, it has it has an effect on you. No, it's true. It's true. And there's actually a movie out there about um, a previously liberal father and his family, and he, for reasons unknown, suddenly started watching Fox News continuously. Completely changed both in terms of his beliefs and his personality, and he literally had to be deprogrammed. Like right. some people are deprogrammed from cults. So I'm glad and we did. I'm glad we didn't it, have to do it, that it, with it's you. It's very cult-like. Yeah. But I, I think the problem is is that most Americans are not um, educated to ask the next question. So, for instance, you know, Fox is so virulently anti-immigrant. You know, and and it's so much about the southern border. The joke, yeah. of course, is that southern border immigration has been going down for years, for decades. The immigration that's going to be important in the future is not coming through the southern border. It's going to be Asians and Africans, which is where the populations are increasing. Because they're not increasing. South America, Central so America. Where, where's, just, where's the joke part of this? Well, the joke is <laughs> the joke is that we're always fighting the last war. You're going to you're going to spend money to build a wall on a border that does, isn't going to matter in the future. And the the uh, the second question. I'm sitting there and I'm listening to all this very virulent anti-immigrant, you know, screed. But my question is: not once did they exactly explain to me the problem that immigration brings. In fact, the real truth of the matter is that not dealing with immigration allows the the immigrant, either, you know, particularly the illegal immigrant, to be used as a guest worker to keep prices down at the American supermarket, among other things. And that if they really went through with the idea that they're going to deport or not let in tens of millions of people... You know, watermelon's going to be thirty dollars, and and I don't know what their belief is that that Native Americans would take these jobs. It's pretty clear they never have. And why would Native American? I'm not talking about Native. Yeah, I'm you, talking you, about you, American. Yeah. yeah, I'm not talking about that. Native Americans is a whole different story. Yeah, you mean American citizens? American yeah. citizens, right? Would take these jobs? Would they pay minimum wage if they take these jobs now? Yeah. Well. Right. <laughs> right. You know, and you have the most successful economy in this country, which is California, which for years has provided services to the migrant workers, give, you know, gotten housing, let the kids go to school, and they've nevertheless generated more income than any state in this country by far. It can be done treating people truthfully, you know, treating people honestly. Right. And what the problem is is that the elites get all the advantage of illegal immigration, right. including people who are not in the 0.1%. There was a brilliant article in Atlantic Monthly about the 9.9%, which includes people like myself, the professional class, who also get a huge advantage by the present non-immigration status. But really, I sat there asking myself, where's the problem? You're talking about how great the economy is. And yet, immigration is this huge problem. Well, if the economy is so yeah. great, how are the immigrants I, you know, undermining the economy? I would, I would think that the uh, the Cato Institute, which is conservative, mm-hmm. very libertarian, right. very much pro-immigration because they, they don't believe that capital should be restricted and they don't believe that labor should be restricted. You know, and I see the, um, the Koch brothers who, again, much maligned and often for very good reasons. Uh, you know, I, I see more and more... Uh, more, more and more of those big business folks understanding how important 
uh, immigration is to a healthy economy. And so who do we have left out there uh, on the extreme fringe? Well, I mean, probably the, the political class that gain ground by demonizing a specific categories. I mean, sometimes it's immigrants. I mean, yeah, it's immigrants, Muslims, people of color, right. uh, you know, the p- poor people. There's all sorts of folks that get demonized, but immigrants seem to be the primary target and the easiest target. And, um, you know, and yet, but yet, yet the folks who are successfully do that for their own personal political reasons are running up against a, you know, a, a wall, no pun intended, mm. that's, that's harder and harder for them to push back against, logically uh, and politically. Right. And, and you know, uh, the interesting thing is, is that a lot of the anti-immigrant sentiment is at places where it's not necessarily on the border. Yeah. You know, a lot of those towns and cities have come to grips with what they need to do. And you don't see crime in El Paso, for instance, is a border town. Right. Crime there is not any higher than the average in most other American cities. Right. And yet we're told all about the criminal element and, you know, and the drug trade. The right. drug trade isn't outside this country. It's inside this country. Yeah. Well, and there's a demand. Well, it's the pharmaceutical <laughs> industry selling <laughs> right, opioids, right. which is... Right, for ridiculous amounts right, of money. It's a gateway yeah. drug. <clears throat> all right, folks. Hey, uh, Charles Goldman and Ed Fallon here with you in the studio. I want to again thank... Uh, Thank the folks at Lorena for providing an excellent location for us to broadcast this program. It's also available not just on the uh, two stations in the Lorena network, but also uh, on stations in Iowa City, uh, KHOI in Ames, uh, Fayette, Missouri, and New Orleans, WHIV in New Orleans. Also, there will be a podcast available later today. Um, check us out on, on, the, on the Fallon Forum website, www.fallonforum.com. And you, you can subscribe to the program on iTunes or Stitcher and also like the program on Facebook. Okay, so thanks for tuning in to today, folks. This is Ed Fallon broadcasting from Des Moines, Iowa. And if you're listening on our community-owned stations, you can stay tuned for one more segment as we're going to talk about uh, Andrew Jackson and what's he doing in the White House. All right, welcome back to the uh, Fallon Forum. Yeah, um, I, you know, my, my first memory of Andrew Jackson was my dad playing, uh, I think it was, uh, um, I can't remember, uh, Johnny Horton? Um, the, battle him, uh, the, the Battle of New Orleans in 1814, right. we took a little trip along with Colonel Jackson down the mighty Mississippi. Right, the battle and that actually was fought after the war had ended. I, you know, he, I, no, I mean, when, it, when it, I was a kid, I didn't know that. I always, I just thought, oh, this song makes my dad happy. It must be a great song. Anyway, so uh, my dad wasn't the only one who loves Andrew Jackson. Apparently, so does uh, Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Well, he put his picture up in the right Oval Office to Is inspire that, him. Is he the first president to do that? I mean, I don't think anybody's picked Jackson before. Why is that? Well, it was an interesting piece from a um, a uh, professor Opal O P A L at McGill. And now, I mean, obviously, that is in Canada, so. But he's actually written a book on Jackson. Okay. And. Um, so you trust a Canadian to write, write about <laughs> one of our presidents? I think I would. That's on American to be Charles. <laughs> and, uh, you know, his, his question is I mean, what do, you, what do you define a populist as? Me? Yes. A populist is somebody who appeals to the common concerns that most people uh, have. You know, front and center in their lives, and that, that, that can you can be a, a you can be a progressive populist. You can be a very 
conservative populist, you can be a very reactionary populist. I mean, I, I would think that in some ways uh, Adolf Hitler was populist, but he was populist in all the wrong directions for all the wrong reasons. Well, I, I, the professor's point is that um, the, the unifying theme of populism is that um, you are returning sovereignty to the people. And so the notions of right. rights and liberties really doesn't have much importance well, and that would, in, in the populist uh, philosophy. And that would describe what, what Hitler was allegedly trying to do. Right. Again, right. which was horrible, but you know, he, he was trying to help a, a people who had been beaten down recover to, again, feel some national pride. And to do that, demonizing you know, in a, uh, uh, various classes of people. Well, it's interesting because that, that's, a, yeah. But, that's, but, but populism doesn't have to demonize people. I think progressive populism doesn't do that. It unites people. Populism on the right tends to I, rely I, on trying to make someone out to be the villain. Well, we'll leave that alone. So I think there are there is an okay. element of progressive populism that does demonize people. Um, okay. But, you know, the point that the professor is making is that the central theme, the, the central theme of populism is sovereignty. And that basically both Jackson and Trump have told American, the average Americans, that they have license to swagger, this is the professor's words, dominate and ignore the rules of a modern society except for one rule, and that is the rule of contracts. Because the rule of contracts is critical. What is the rule of contracts? Well, that, that the government is there to enforce contracts. And that is actually, and libertarians will say the same thing. Except, it's, it's, except if they don't benefit the president or his, or his buddies. Uh, well, right. For we example, like chain migration. Horrible thing, chain migration, except when it comes <laughs> to my wife's family, you know? Well, but that's not a contract, really. Contracts no. is, is between two parties or multiple parties. But the point is that he, he points out that Jackson is very similar to Trump, that, you know, Trump is, is, is radically insecure, but that Jackson... <laughs> was he describes him as an exceptionally sensitive whiner who was highly sensitive about his honor. That in in the space of a few months in 1806, Jackson beat a man with his cane, killed another man in a duel, and then um, castigated anybody who took, you know, umbrage with that, umbrage to that. The other thing that, that Jackson did was he, of course, stole massive amounts of land from the true Native Americans. This right. time we're talking about non-American right, citizens. Right. And of of course, marched Indian, you know, Native Americans from Florida into the plains on the Trail of Tears, which really was nothing different than the Bataan Death March uh, was for uh, American soldiers in the Philippines at the beginning of World War II. Um, you know, and that really both men are exceptionally selfish, exceptionally insecure, and really doing nothing except rule to their own advantage. And Jackson so was exactly the same. basically you're commending uh, President Trump on selecting a presidential portrait that is very appropriate for his demeanor. Right. Well, and, and this is, <laughs> but again, this is one of the things that we, we're so busy with the Russia investigation and the deep state on Fox and all the other things that go on around this, this investigation that we're missing very important points about populism in this country, about the paranoid nature of American politics which is on ample display on, on Fox. So how do, you, how, do you re, how do you reconcile the differences between populism on the left and populism on the right? Um, the, the assumption is that democracy, which is elevating the will of the people, is a good thing. In point of fact, the Founding Fathers really didn't believe that because the Founding Fathers, as Tocqueville you know, 
points out in, in the early 1800s, were most interested in avoiding the tyranny of the majority. It's, the majority being the non-landholders and rich of the time. Right. And so much of the American government and the Founding Fathers' theory is to manage the, the uh, passions of the masses. Right. So if you were President Charles, uh, which presidential portrait would you put up in the Oval Office? Uh, FDR. FDR? Absolutely. All right. Why? Because he, he went against his classism to try to truly do what was best for the country. And unfortunately, he saved capitalism in this country, but nevertheless, he could, yeah. All right, interesting. Um, uh, I'd have to, I don't know who I'd go with. (laughs) I'd have to think about it. My own question I can't answer. Hey, Mm -hmm. folks, uh, thanks for tuning in to today's uh, Fallon Forum. Charles Goldman here in the studio with me, Ed Fallon. We'll be back uh, live on Monday at 11 o'clock Central Time.